Welcome back to Exquisitely Aligned, where we empower you to leave behind the one-size-fits-all life and step and live proudly and unapologetically the one-of-a-kind life. My name is Gina Meyer Vincent, and I'm so excited to introduce to you today, I want to say my new friend here, Cami Wolf-Rice. And Cami has done exactly that. Cami's a mother, an advocate, an author, a speaker, and a philanthropist. She has firsthand experience with the dangers of opioid misuse due to her son's Christopher battle from childhood through his passing at age 32. Cami transmuted her pain into purpose, which is something we are going to celebrate with her today and thank her for. The Flight, Cami's first book, was released on September 18th, 2022, and brings the reader through the details of her ordeal caring for Christopher. She is a com- she is committed to educating and implementing alternative, which I'm right up uh, right up my alley, pain management, alternative pain management. I want to repeat that strategies to decrease the use of opioids, which is something I celebrate in so many ways. So, Cami. Thank you for joining me today. I am delighted to meet you and share this conversation with you. Thank you so much for having me, Gina. I really appreciate the platform to have a voice. So thank you so much. You're welcome. We spoke briefly last week and there were so many things that you had mentioned in our short time together that I wrote notes and said, oh my gosh, we could probably talk for, or I'd like to talk for a week, but I know how busy your calendar is and, uh, my clients need me as well, so I won't do that to you. But one of the things that you had mentioned to me was um, opioids hijack your brain. And I left that conversation and I told my husband, you know, I didn't have words what it was like for me to be on opioids for three and a half days after having my hip replaced probably because that's exactly what happened and I couldn't speak. Um, And I had seven days of withdrawals. It was just something uh, that was so bizarre to me. But when you said that sentence, hijack your brain, it really encapsulated my experience. So I'd love for you to uh, give a voice to that because you, you say it so eloquently and, and so uh, short and sweet and it's it's a truth that I don't think many people understand the way you do. Oh, thank you, Gina. So, you know, substance misuse starts in many different ways. And how it started with my son is he actually had a health crisis. And he was in middle school when he was diagnosed with a colon disease, ulcerative colitis. He mm-hmm. suffered through that horrendous disease. Um, for those of you who are not aware, it's having diarrhea multiple 18 times a day. It's just mm. horrific. And finally, his senior year, the doctor recommended that his large intestine be removed and mm-hmm. for him to have the bag. And, you know, so we went, first of all, they had complications in the surgery to start. So he was on morphine mm-hmm. for almost 70 days and then mm-hmm. leaving. Yes, yes. 70 days and then leaving the hospital. It was at the exact almost same time when Purdue Pharma released Oxycontin as the wonder drug. And we went home with 90 Oxycontin followed by an 
a huge prescription after the 90. And we didn't even realize what was going on. And he had multiple surgeries following that because he had to get the bag removed. And right. there were, and then we had a blockage. And so he would go on the, you know, Oxycontin, then go off, go on, go off. And we didn't even realize there was any issue. Um, I didn't even know to ask a doctor any questions. We were told to give him every four hours. He had a hole in his stomach. And I think we as a country just, you know, and doctors are fantastic. Don't get me wrong. Um, but we don't think to ask questions. Right. And in matter of fact, they were told that by the pharmaceutical company that they weren't addictive. And it did. It hijacked his brain. And he managed to, um, you know, he was very disciplined. I mean, his goal in life before being diagnosed was to be a Navy SEAL. So he was super, you know, book smart, very disciplined. And after the hijack, he still remained in college. He he went on to college. He got his degree. Mm -hmm. But then he came to me and said, Mom, I need help. Like something's going on. And went to multiple treatment centers and um, the, the relapsing would just happen. And, and he would feel so guilty uh, mm-hmm. when he would have a relapse. Well, he couldn't help it. His brain was mm-hmm. saying, you have to have this drug. Right. So I think I have my PhD. It's called being an MOM. Um, and when it comes to addiction and substance misuse. And so, yeah, that's that's how his trajectory started. And I love that you shared, you know, uh, brilliant child, uh, gifted in so many ways and with aspirations beyond maybe what most would choose, right? Um, because I think it's important that people understand this, this happens to everyone, to anyone, uh, young and old. It doesn't matter your background, your gender, your nationality, what city you live in. And I also love the fact that you brought up the point that what, how would you know what questions to ask? It's, it's, you know, I think oftentimes um, we believe what we're told, especially from the men and women in white to the white coats. Um, And, you know, I don't even know back then, I'm guessing. I don't know if they knew. The no, truth, they didn't. They didn't. You know? No. Mm-hmm. And it's it's sad on so many levels. Um, and but I love the way you said. You know, he felt guilty. I think that's another point most people uh, may not understand unless they have such a close experience as you have. I think that sometimes people think, oh, it's just so easy to you stop using the drug. But like you said, when your brain is hijacked, you don't really have uh, another option. Um, and I'm sure the treatment centers he went to were high, you know, high class. Uh, they use the best of the best to help. Um, it's just uh, heartbreaking to hear. But um it leaves me speechless. I apologize, but let's no, it's okay. <laughs> you know, one of the things I speak out about is, you know, and I know AA has helped millions of people. I just feel that there needs to be looked at certain steps of that program. One particularly is mm. when you stand up and you say, I'm Christopher and I'm an addict. It destroyed his self-esteem. It mm-hmm. said, Mom, I feel like I'm I'm saying I'm a loser every night at these meetings. Mm-hmm. And so 
you know, I have really been a voice and, and it's amazing because there's treatment centers now where people are standing up and saying, I'm extraordinary. I'm a warrior. I can yes. be, I have this and using positive affirmation instead of owning a disease, we right. don't say every day, you know, I have cancer, I have cancer right. you know, way. And so I really want to change that in a, in the treatment centers across the country, because I, I think it really destroys the inner being of being well, you know, <laughs> But I can it, go it, goes, it goes against everything we know about, you know, words have vibrations, words have energy. And how you said, we don't walk around saying I'm sick with X, Y, Z in front of a room full of people on a daily basis. Why would we do that? And, you know, um, that's something I never even thought about. Uh, that is brilliant. Cammy, you are... If you were next door, I'd come running over, giving you a hug. <laughs> so you might be running out the back door. Oh no, here she comes again. But, oh. the, but that is so important because I think that's another thing we need to remember is that words have energy and we should make sure that we choose the ones that really align with us and make us feel powerful. I'm a warrior. You know, I haven't been knocked down. Whatever the, you know, everyone, uh, I like to always say we're each as unique as our fingerprints. So what works for one person, a warrior, a goddess, whatever may not work for the other, but choose a word that really represents and, and uh, hones in on who you are at that moment. Because I believe life changes. What I used to call myself or uh, at 30 is now different at 54, you know? And I think I love that point. Um, your son was obviously brilliant beyond uh, beyond years to even be able to give that a voice. Um, yep. You know that is that just shows you how um, insightful he was and connected to his his feelings and his inner knowing. Um, yep. Break the stigma. That's for sure. I think that's the issue in our country. We need to break the stigma. On substance misuse, we need to break the st stigma on mental illness and yes. really come together as a, as a communities, right? To support, mm -hmm. to hide things because you don't want people to think bad. You know, it took me two years to say that Christopher died of an overdose because mm -hmm. I wanted my son to have a respectable death. Yeah. How sad is that? Uh, well, it is and it isn't, you know, because I understand where it comes from. Um, it is, it heart, it's heartbreaking to me, but I like to say that my life is, uh, imperfectly perfect. And I know that when we spoke the other day, you, you said it differently. Um, and so eloquently you were saying it's not about, did you say it's not about looking, looking good, you know? And if you want to give a voice to that, I think vulnerability is something that I love speaking about here on Exquisitely Aligned because we do want people to pass with dignity and so forth. But the truth is his brain was hijacked. It wasn't a choice he made, um, in my opinion. It, there probably was no choice. You know what I'm saying? Um but I love when you said that. So do you want to give a voice to that? Not about looking good and how you came to that point where you could be vulnerable. 
Well, it, you know, I, that's the purpose of the book. I, I really, you know, I wrote the flight and I use an analogy of an airplane as our journey of life. And we land at different places in life, happiness, success, sorrow, grief, sickness, you know, and you got to keep flying. People leave your flight unexpectedly and people get on your flight. And so while I share about my journey, it really makes you think about your own journey. But right. in the book, I had to be completely raw and vulnerable and talk mm-hmm. about things because I believe that everybody has chapters that they don't share with people about their life. <laughs> and even close friends, you might not share something that happened to you. And I decided that I really needed to come out and say the things that I was embarrassed about mm-hmm. and be raw about it. And and when I did that, it allowed other people to come up and say, wow, I had the same feeling. I had the same guilt. I had the same, you know, and it's about, you know, failing at marriage and being divorced. And, you know, I happily married now, but going through that and feeling bad about it. And so many people, we all carry around these baggages with us. And when you open up and are just vulnerable and forgive yourself, you know, I had to really forgive myself because as a mother, it is my responsibility to take care of my children. And mm-hmm. I love my son and I felt like it was my fault. What, what could I have done better, differently? Did I miss something? How did I miss this? What could, I didn't save my son's life. Mm-hmm. Um, it took a lot. I had to forgive myself, you know, and I have, um, yeah was his time and he's at peace and he is at a much better place. I know that it's the missing him. That's the part that's just unbearable. But I think if we're all open to not worrying about looking good and being authentic, then we can help each other and we can support each other and there's no judgment and it's just a happier place to be. I'm free now. It's kind of bizarre because I'll meet people and they've read my whole book and they know everything about me and I know nothing about them. So it's an unfair playing field a lot of times, but that's okay. all right with it. I'm good with it. I, I agree with you a, a hundred percent. I mean, I think that when we show up vulnerable and transparent and we show people that life is not always easy. We give, we create this safe space like your book did or does continue, continues to do every day as somebody opens the next page or turns a page, we give them this ability to say, it's okay. You're safe. I mean, I I think oftentimes I remember back, right. The saying it takes a community to raise a child. I think it takes a community to keep a marriage together. Yesterday, we celebrated 24 years. And quite frankly, there, I said to my husband, you know, is this the year I get to like trade you in? Like, or is it next year? Which one is it? <laughs> you know, cause he wasn't listening to me about something I visually saw for, for his health. And, um, so, and guess who turned out to be right? Just saying, but, uh, we spent the day celebrating at the doctor's office. Oh, fine. Which is always exciting. But, um, you know, I think that why is it if it ta- if we know it takes a village to save or, or to raise a child and ha- help people stay married, then why is it we do not share things? You know, it, it's it's fascinating to me. It's been fascinating as a transformation expert when I meet people um, that they're always like, 
oh yeah, no, I don't, uh, I don't know why I told you that. I don't usually tell people, but it's like, no, you're in a safe space. That's why we're here. You know, um, I believe we're here to share stories and help each other say it's okay. You know, I hear you. I see you. I mean, I feel people and, um, and like your words that you use so elo- eloquently helps people find their words. And I mean, just you sharing what Christopher said about why do I have to stand up and say something like I'm an addict instead of saying, uh, you know, I'm a fighter. Look at me. I'm standing here proudly. I'm strong. I'm masculine. I'm brilliant. You know, if he could fill in the words, um, it's so, so important. And forgiveness. I love that, Cami. I think that is definitely a journey. Um, having been an advocate for my husband's health and still am, as I just shared with you, how many years later, um, you know, I think there are times where I look back and I was like, should I have seen this sooner? Should I have known, you know, as he was fighting for his life with kidney and liver failure, uh, nearly uh, 14 years ago. But, you know, I think that's something that is so important and magical that you were able to just share that with everyone. Because when you do what you did, which I'm sure didn't happen overnight, I think uh, you find freedom. So can you give us maybe one or two or three tips on like what you find was best for you or what worked best for you. I I'm guessing time allows to help as well. Um, absolutely. I mean, I just, I think we're all too hard on ourselves. Right. And we try to be this image of, and you know, social media doesn't help with that because you see everybody just living their best life no problems. And that's really not the case. That's not reality. Right. So I think it's just to, just to realize the more, free and the more you open up, the more it allows somebody else to open up. And then that really starts the connection that you can have with another person. Mm -hmm. And I think my vulnerability has allowed other people, you know, to come up and, and, and say, wow, now I can talk about it and now I'm okay. And it's okay to talk about it. And people aren't waking up in the morning and thinking about you and thinking about what you're going on with your life, you know, really at the end of the day. And so um, I, I just think it's a huge freedom. It's out there. Everybody knows. And I don't care anymore. It doesn't matter anymore to me. It, I don't know. I just took it off. And I used to beat myself up with little things, you know, just little things um, that really, it just, it went away once I opened up and shared it. So that's, mm-hmm. that's my best advice in, in regards to that is just to let it go. And I think that, you know, substance misuse in particular, it has always been hidden and it's kind of, you know, it's like cancer used to be hid, you right. know, used to be hidden and AIDS. And this is the mm-hmm. same, the same, it's the same stigma as regards to, and, you know, I always say it wasn't the casserole disease, you know, nobody about it. So they weren't able to come over and bring me a a dinner when they knew Christopher was in, you know, having issues or in the treatment center. And so I was alone a lot. And that's the main key is you need an ecosystem around you. If you're dealing with a, it substance misuse affects the entire family. It hurts everyone. Everybody is concerned and everybody needs support when you're going through and so they have to know your friends have to know in order to support you yeah. in a, in a non judgmental way. And right. you know, 
starts in many ways. Christopher started in the hospital. Many mm-hmm. people do start with one prescription. Sometimes this yeah. use starts with a dentist giving 30 Percocet mm-hmm. for a teeth pulling. You know, mm-hmm. um, it can also start just with experiment. You're at school. You have low self-esteem. You you have depression. You have anxiety. And you're doing these things to numb and to self-medicate yourself so that you don't feel the pain. Addictions mm-hmm. many different ways. And so our swim lane at Christopher Wolf Crusade is prevention. I want to stop it before it ever starts. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, that's kind of, that's where I wanted to be. Um, and so we developed a new position that's in hospitals because if you look at our society, we have coaches for everything. You can have right. a birth coach, an executive coach, football, baseball, tennis, you name it. But when you're in a health crisis and you're right. in the and the time that you spent with your husband in a hospital, you need a health advocate, you need a coach to stay mm-hmm. on those opioids. This is how fast and how important it is for you to get off the opioids, off yes. the pillars, and then to provide mental health techniques to help with anxiety, stress, depression, PTSD. Most mm-hmm. likely if you're in the hospital, you have all four of those things. Right. So if you've got somebody at bedside, even most of the time, it's a patient needs a listening ear because validate someone's pain, statistically, Mm -hmm. it makes the pain go down. Mm -hmm. So a toolkit full of different pain management techniques to provide to patients and to help them through that health crisis, Mm -hmm. that's missing, I think, from our hospitals. And I think if Christopher would have had a life care specialist, he'd still be here today. And so we've rolled it out. We've had a clinical trial going since 2018. We're now rolling it out into rural hospitals. Mm-hmm. Um, I've over a million dollars to do that. And then we just got a grant from the NFL to have a life care specialist with sports medicine surgeries. So my goal is to have them across the country in every hospital and I'm I'm not going to stop until I do. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I believe you wholeheartedly. I love it. And you know, as a, a a still licensed yoga instructor, I find that I wish we had more ability to teach young children in middle school, high school, college, and adults, working adults, and you know life skills, the skills of how to deal and how to cope with things and how to be able to give a voice to, I don't feel good. I um, shared with you, but I'll share just now with the listeners. After my experience with my hip replacement, 54 weeks later, I still cannot uh, believe, but I had my uh, the opposite shoulder replaced. And I told the surgeon, I will not take any of these pills, you know, and my husband said, you just have to do whatever, like, we don't know what will happen. So just be flexible, be agreeable. And, um, you know, it's interesting or fascinating and disturbing would be my real choice of words, how they ask you to get the prescription anyway, prior to surgery, to have it in your home. It's a problem. Yeah. That's a problem right there because now they're in my home. How do I dispose of them? Thankfully, my husband's a doctor, so he knows how to dispose of them. But most people wouldn't, you know, and, and I think that it's, it's just sad. One thing you had mentioned, um, 
when we were talking the other day was that drugs have been around for years and you were just giving examples of how maybe somebody is introduced or starts their that journey or opens up the pill bottle, let's say, or someone else doses it for them. Um, I'd love for you to explain uh, how the difference from what was hundreds of years ago, maybe uh, to the drugs nowadays, because you hit it uh, perfectly when we spoke the other day. So, I mean, you know, we are a pill popping society. Unfortunately, we look for all the answers in a pill and there are a lot of side effects to pills. And so there, like you just said, with yoga, music therapy, and there's all kinds of techniques that you can do to redistract your brain as opposed mm-hmm. to being a pill. So the big thing is if you do, and, and there is a place So everybody out there, you know, there is a place. I'm not saying that there aren't times when people need to have that strong opioid, but they also know how fast they they need to know how fast they need to taper off. Um, Definitely. If you're having your wisdom teeth, all the parents out there, when your kids are having their wisdom teeth pulled, they don't need 30 Percocet. You know, they need ice and Motrin. They don't need a painkiller. They don't need an opioid for that. In my opinion, this is my opinion. I'm not a doctor. I'll do all my disclaimers, but I've seen addiction start literally with kids just getting their wisdom teeth pulled. And that is inexcusable. And I'm not saying all dentists are over prescribers, but I'm saying they're dentists are some of the highest prescribers in our country as our doctors. Now the prescriptions are going down because there is a database in every state where they're monitoring, where doctors are writing prescriptions. I know it's, it's an issue when my husband had his hip replaced, they said, we're giving you 39. Why, why 39? Well, it was under the bar. Well, he doesn't need he doesn't need 39 and I'm not taking 39. Um, and it was an argument and I had to wait. And then I go to the pharmacy. Well, you have to take the full, you know, so it, it still needs a lot of work, um, in regards to prescription writing and getting a hold on it. Um, but there's prescriptions. Here's the main number one thing. In addition, there is fentanyl poisoning in street drugs. So what I was referring to, I believe, had so I talk about this every day, so I don't know who I told what, but I just got back from Washington, D.C. with a meeting with our DEA of the United States of America. This is not a political, this is not a Democrat, Republican, this is a red, white, and blue issue. There's a chemical warfare on our country right now. It's coming over our south border. Fentanyl is coming into our border. They have it's unbelievable how many children and they're reaching out to kids on different media platforms on social media they're even delivering it to the 14 year old's house and they are looking like candy looking like a skittle you're gonna dance all night you're gonna party all night and kids are taking one pill and yes it's a bad choice to take a pill Like I said, people have been experimenting with drugs for a very long time and they take that one pill and they die. So by making a bad choice, you don't deserve to die. And there's over a hundred thousand people. It's not an overdose. It's a poisoning. They're only taking one pill and it could be Adderall, Xanax, Percocet, Oxycontin. You should never take a prescription unless it came directly from the pharmacy and it's got your name on it. Period. End of story. All your listeners need to know. Everyone should own Narcan. It's mm-hmm. 
spray. looks like spray and you can get it at your pharmacy. It's over the counter. And if you don't think that you would ever need it for anybody in your family, you might need it for a neighbor. You might need it for one of your friend, your kids' friends. You don't know because it's that rampant that's happening. There's every eight minutes someone is dying from a fentanyl poisoning. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah. So Narcan, I don't know if you said, because I was writing a note, but for those who don't know, Narcan is to, and now let me think of the right words, to, um, would you say reverse? I don't know the medical terms and overdose. The best way to explain it is how I explain it to kids when I speak at schools is it tells your lungs to breathe. It's lungs to breathe. So like when I speak at a school, I will take a little sugar packet and Mm -hmm. I will that little sweet and low because they can see it. I'll pour it on the stage and I'll say, and there's 500 kids in this. I'll say, if this was fentanyl, everyone in this room would be dead. Mm-hmm. Understand that a speck of salt, literally the size of the end of a pencil can kill you. So you tell them that then the Narcan literally is like an, it's like a nasal spray. You're going to put it in the nostrils on the side of the nose and you're just going to pump it up in the nose, you're still going to call 911, right? You're still going to get EMT there. They still need to go to the hospital. And people ask, well, wait a minute. What, what if they're not having an overdose? What if I, what if I'm wrong? I mean, what if it wasn't fentanyl or something? The Narcan will not hurt them. You will not damage to them. So, but you could save a life, you know, and it's safe, right? Then sorry. Yeah. And it's, 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 um, I don't understand. After going to the DEA, there were literally parents from around the United States. Every state was represented and every age was spoken about. It was down to a three-year-old, you know, uh, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, every age, fentanyl poisoning. And I just am amazed that so many people don't know about it. And so I have this fire inside of me. My child is gone. I can't get my child back. I'm trying to speak out to save your child. So that's why you need to listen. And, you know, some parents say, well, my my child, we talk about drugs. My kid would never do that. All I'm saying is West Point cadets went down last spring break. I guarantee you that their parents never dreamed in a million years that those West Point cadets would try cocaine and it had fentanyl in it. Mm-hmm. So don't be naive. Have the conversation with your kids. Have the conversation. With your neighbors. It's so important. I, if I don't say anything else on this talk, <laughs> understand fentanyl poisoning and get Narcan at your pharmacy and have it at your house. Yeah. And I think you said you're trying to give a voice. I think that you can, we can delete that word. You are giving a voice and you're doing it so beautifully and eloquently and passionately. I feel your fire. You glow from the outside. Your words are are just um, so powerful, Cami. So is your smile. I know everything you do is coming from a place of love and I can feel it through the camera. Um, and for that, I'm grateful because it, it what you've been through can't have been easy. Um, for me, I would say you've been through hell and so is your family and so is Christopher and and all his friends and all your relatives and all the lives he touched. And you know, I think it's so important to say thank you to you for, you know, going through this journey 
which couldn't have been easy at all. But making the choice, the decision every morning, every afternoon, every evening to continue on a path that is positive, that is enlightening, that is sharing, that is empowering others. And I think one other thing I want to hint at, because over the years, 54 years of meeting people and um, having the luxury of being the resident yoga instructor at different resorts around uh, warm weather places, let's just say that. I knew which resorts to pick because I, I like the ocean and warm. But um, I got to meet people from around the world. And sometimes it happens that it wasn't the child's choice, but somebody put something in their drink or their food. And, um, you know, I, I think the work that you do is beyond uh, amazing because I think if you can allow the kids to understand, you know, them making a choice to choose trying something or having the best night of dancing or whatever it is, euphoria, whatever the promise of that pill or, you know, whatever is handed to them or invited them to them. But now you're also letting them know they can hurt someone else by sneaking something in. And um, I had met a woman who's that happened to her. Her son was given something without his knowledge. He became addicted and he's no longer here. And it was just, you know, you almost have to like have someone pinch you like, am I really having this conversation with this gorgeous woman standing next to me or today across from me? Could this really be happening? And I think that you've touched on so many things. I, I still am uh, so thrilled about what you're doing in the hospitals because I slept 39 days uh, in 2009 to the beginning of uh, 2010 on the floor, in the chair, whatever I could. I started stockpiling blankets. Mark is cold. Can we have another blanket? And he would be like, I'm not cold. I'm like, shh, I am making a, like the chair was no longer comfortable and the floor was cement. So I needed, you know, I needed padding. And, um, my mom kept saying, why can't you come home? But the truth is I felt he couldn't be left alone. Somebody needed to advocate 24 seven because people, sometimes mistakes were made. Um, you know, medicines for his transplant were forgotten or whatever. So if you have somebody else there with toothpick in their eyes to say, Hey, we need such and such, or he missed this, or he still needs a, a bath. Can someone help him? But, um, yeah, what I saw in 39 days was enlightening. Yeah. And be, yeah, to be able to touch people right there and then. Um, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> so, you know, cause, it's been a, we have a whole team. We have a research team. Uh, Harvard Business School is going to do a case study on the life care specialist. I mean, mm-hmm. it's. You know, we have a lot of researchers, uh, doctors and residents and uh, chief of surgery at Grady Hospitals, one of my champions. I couldn't have I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for her. I stalked her in the beginning, you know, and then she was like, "Okay, wait a minute. This is awesome. So, um, you know, it's it's definitely not just me for sure. I I could not do it without the team that I have. But I also 
know that my son is driving it up there. I'm telling you, if I ask for something and it just happens, you know, and it's been amazing from that perspective. Um, and you know, it, like I said, I, I'm very fortunate that I've, I've found what, what I can do to make a difference and to make an impact and to save lives. And, um, you know, yes, it is the, it is out of natural order to lose your child. I didn't know if he wanted to be buried or cremated. I didn't even have, I was a zombie. I couldn't even think about what to do. Um, still, I, I, I can walk by his picture. I can smile at him and I can say, good morning, baby. And I could smile and I can go on about my day. I can go by that same picture at two in the afternoon and I can hit the floor. Mm-hmm. Green is just a very individual thing. You don't know some things that you would think would really hit me and devastate me. I'm okay with, and I can be in and buying socks for a guy from Chase. And I grab two because I'm thinking Christopher and Chase, cause I have another son and mm-hmm. I lose. Or I hear somebody yell Christopher's name in a store or, you know, you just don't know. It just sneaks up on you and it's, it's horrible. There's nothing worse than losing a child. Nothing on the earth is worse than losing a child. Um, and it's not just about me. I mean, a lot of people, and I'm glad you mentioned earlier about how families are affected. When you look at the opioid epidemic and the fentanyl crisis just for one year, a hundred thousand people. That's more than we've lost in the last three wars, by the way. Hundred thousand people died, but let's think about how many people are affected by that one person, right? The ecos, right? 40, 50 people. And so, and a lot of times the siblings are forgotten. Right. Like on the anniversary of Christopher's death, people will even reach out to my son and say, Hey, how's your mom doing? Well, he lost his brother. Right. And I, that's, that's something I want to talk about. So I'm so glad, you know, uh, I feel connected to you, Cami, because that's something um, I experienced too, being a caregiver. How's Mark? How's Mark? And it's like, you know, by day, by day 60 of the how's Mark, you're like, anybody see me? Like, you know, can someone bring me a glass of water? You know, can you take the kids so I can go to the bathroom? You know, but that is so true. So let's talk about that because I wanted to ask you, and I know uh, for me, as I was preparing to meet with you today, I was getting teary-eyed. That's why I have my uh, uh, tissues handy. But I sat outside in the sun because I always feel connected when I have the warmth of the sun kissing the nape of my neck. And I just, you know, wanted to get in a place where I could uh, discuss this with you. But tell me, please, about the rest of your family and what it's like, because I think that is a huge, I think people, you know, they think about mom, but yes, Every child, what about cousins? What about best friends? What about, I don't know if he had a girlfriend or a wife, you know what I mean? It just, it's hard. Really, you know, I could write a book about what not to say and what not to do. Um, It's hard. I think many people don't know what to say. And so at family reunions, I literally had to say to my family, would you please like, let's don't act like he never existed. They 
afraid to bring up his name because they don't want to trigger me and they think I'm going to start crying. No, I'm crying because nobody has even mentioned his name. Nobody has said anything to about Christopher and that hurts, you know, and, but it's, it's really educating people on, you know, things not to say to somebody that's lost a child, like, you know, well, he's with God now. Well, I know that, but right now he's not with me and I'm devastated. So that doesn't, and even though I know that he's with God, you know what I mean? Like there's just certain sensitivities. A lot of times you just want a listening ear. You just want to be able to cry. You just want somebody to hold you and give you a hug and say, God, what a beautiful smile he had, you know, or something about Christopher, you know, I, I, talk to a lot of moms that lose their children uh, because they reach out. People, you know, say you need to call Gammy or whatever, just with the book and everything. And I just say what worked for me. You know, I, I, I got Christopher's shirt. I got the most comfortable shirt I could find and I wrap it around me. And that's how I was able to sleep. I still have it in my bed to this day. Um, I have his thumbprint around my neck, you know, and I always find myself just rubbing it when I'm nervous or talking or whatever. And it gives me, you know, now I did a real bold thing because September 18th was his um, birthday, his heavenly birthday. I'm not a tattoo person. I can't believe I did it. I shocked my entire family, but I got his signature. Wow. That's gorgeous. Sure. It's kind of still ready, but I just got it. But I mean, it is his signature. They were able to get it off one of his birthday cards that he had given me. And it's yeah. his, and it is, I'm obsessed with it and I see it and it's, oh, that gives me joy, you know? So you have to find, but yeah, go back to your question. Um, It absolutely is devastating for the whole family. And it is, um, it's something that I think brings you closer in a very strange way for some people. People that I thought were going to be my people for me. I wanted to talk about this too. So you're like, yeah, they weren't there. And and I even lost friends and every mom, because I've connected with a lot of moms that have lost their children. It's mm-hmm. an army that we have now. That's the one thing the DEA did that was fantastic is all the moms are now in a group, but there is even jealousy between the moms of who's doing more in their charity. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, like, whoa. And, you know, people I thought were really going to be there for me. They're not in my life anymore. I don't know if they just didn't know how to deal with it or it was too close to them losing. They they couldn't think about what if I lost my child? I don't know what it is, but all the moms I've talked to, they all lost somebody that was really close that they thought would be their person. Didn't and people that I didn't, I wasn't that close to came through. I mean, came through with flying colors and now I'm like super close to them. So it's, it's a very strange, I can't even, but it's what's even more strange to me is how a mold it is for these, all these moms. When we sit down and talk, we all had the same experience and that was, you know, it's just, I don't even know how to describe, I don't even know. I can't explain why it is that way, but I, I can tell you that, um, you really got to just hug and love on somebody if they've lost their child. My gosh, just hug and love on them and be there for them. Even just sending a card once a month saying, thinking of you. I had a friend that sent me a card every single month for a solid year after Christopher died. Oh, I I love- yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I love all those examples and I think it's also fascinating to see different people's coping skills of can they 
handle this or do they know how to be a, step up and be a friend on what I would say a different level, a different playing field than where the friendship may have been before. Maybe it was all fun and games, not, you know, but easy peasy, let's say not fun and games, but, you know, easy peasy, just normal, normal things like me getting annoyed with Mark yesterday, (laughs) celebrating our anniversary at the doctor's office, like told you so, but, you know, um, versus, oh my goodness, losing a child, you know, or um, even if the child's still around, but coping with somebody whose child is um, addicted or struggling mental health with mental health issues or whatever. I think, I think it really, for me, uh, my trials and tribulations through life different than yours, but, uh, I like to say my life has had many twists and turns professionally and personally, um, each of which luckily has brought me to a different place and understanding of how to live and be, in my opinion, not that it's perfect, but for me personally, given me that freedom like you're experiencing. And, you know, along the way, I did lose friends as well, or even was judged by them. Um, And it was uh, just shocking. I remember we were married five years. This friend knew me longer than I knew my husband. And I had said to her, "I, I want more in my life, you know? And I was like my Italian hands are making the gesture, but I couldn't feel it. What is it? You know? And she looked at me point blank. I'll never forget till this day. And I was speaking to her like heart to heart. She was a little bit older than I married longer than I, she had two kids. I had one at the time. And, um, I thought she could help me like brainstorm. What the hell is that four letter word more mean? And instead she looked at me and she said, you know, what are you talking about? You have everything. You have this beautiful house on a golf course and you married a doctor and and you have a child and you just got back from Italy. Like, who are you? And I, you know, I was immediately taken aback. I realized I better keep my mouth closed. And that relationship kind of changed from then on because I thought, you know, now I know what more is. More is a deeper, richer, more meaningful life. I wasn't asking for a new car or a, a, a new airline ticket to go explore a place I had never been. I was looking for this depth that I wasn't finding in my marriage and my friendships, obviously with her. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's, it's, I'm glad you brought that up because that is, um, that has got to be a bit, you know, cha- like adding to the challenge or the struggle of what you went through. It, it is. It is because it truly is love that gets you through it. For me, it was love and God for me. Um, my connection with God went to a better place, actually. And most people are like, wow, I, I'm mad at God. No, I'm not. I'm... um but it's love that I had and the connections with people that helped me get out of the fetal position. And so, and, you know, and the other thing I'd like to say too, is when I say, you know, I've taken my pain and turned it to purpose, you know, if you're listening and you're struggling and you're hurting out there and you 
taking pain to purpose doesn't mean that you have to have a big charity and you have to develop a new position in hospitals. No, any kind of purpose. It could be knitting hats for NICU babies in the NICU unit at the hospital. It could be going and, and volunteering to walk dogs at the dog pound. It could be simplest, littlest things right. that you, that make you feel like you did something good for something else. Yes. That's by purpose. It doesn't have to be this extravaganza big thing. It's just the smallest things. We can't it, all be cami because we're not taking your cami vitamins. <laughs> no, but I'm glad you brought that up because that is so important. I mean, I think we're we're so unique. I like to say we're exquisite. We're born that way and we're as, as unique as our fingerprint. And we don't, I think there are times in our lives we can step into something big and there are times in our lives where we can just step into something new. And um, that is a, a huge, powerful statement that you just made, Kat, along with everything else you've said. But it's something I believe wholeheartedly. I mean, sometimes it's it, the purpose could be getting up in the morning and being there for the kids you have still at home. That's right. You know, I mean, gardening, you know, anything that just, you know, get out of the house. You know what I mean? Like, it's just so important just to take care of yourself and and to try to stay connected to people. I think that, you know, go find the one that's going to be there for you mm-hmm. and the ones that aren't, you know, people in your life for a reason, a season or a lifetime. And sometimes a combination of that. But, yeah, it's so important. And to stay connected in love. Love is the answer. I know that sounds so cliche, but it's so true. No, you're talking to the choir. You're speaking to the choir here. I Love is such a high vibration that I think people um, overlook when really, when we operate in love, life just becomes so easy. Like you were saying earlier that, you know, Christopher is helping you when you, when you need something, it just comes because I believe you exude love. I'm looking at you and uh, I, I'm seeing you glow from the inside. And I I know that's not something a, a thing of red lipstick can do. It's, it's really being that healthy from within, finding that freedom. And I think when you stay in that vibration that, or I know from my yoga teaching and Chinese medicine and everything else, that love is such a high vibration when you walk in that faith, in that space, in that, mm, that vibe, everywhere Mm -hmm. you go, the right people come to you, the right things, like you were just saying, you just got back from the DEA meeting, the NFL, all these things, they want to support you, Cammy, because they feel you and they see you as, as that being full of that soul filled love deep, deep within. And uh, so I I think that's important to say what I didn't get to ask is tell us about your uh, surviving children, your other kids, Christopher's siblings. Yeah. So I have, um, I have a biological son, Chase. Um, Mm -hmm. He just 33 and um, on September 11th. And then he has a son, Bodie, Bodie was born six months after Christopher passed. Wow. Named Bodie Christopher. Chase named mm-hmm. Christopher, which was great. And literally 
that baby saved my life. I mean, it was just the best thing ever. Um, I have an amazing, supportive rock star husband who is supporting everything that I'm doing. Um, I put in the book, he's, he, I asked him to be my CFO and with the job <laughs> of never saying no. <laughs> Well, um, because I need a lot of stuff, right, to do what I'm doing. But um, he's been incredibly supportive. And then I have two stepsons, mm-hmm. um, Steve. So it was four boys when I married John and, um, you know, we we're a blended family. And Steve and Lauren and my stepson, they had a baby girl. And I'm going to her one-year birthday this Saturday. So we finally have a girl in the family. It's been yeah. all boys, boys. <laughs> and I mom and I know how to be a boy mom. I don't know. I'm having fun buying the girl stuff now. Um, so yeah, I've got a strong family, um, of love and support and that means a lot. Um, it's yeah, it's probably a little, I think it's hard on chase a little bit from the standpoint of, uh, initially when Christopher first passed, I, he was really the one I had to be, I had to breathe his air. Yeah. I, I, I asked him, I said, we, we're going to have to have an oath here, you know, and, and it's when I text you, I know you're busy. All you have to do is just, I'm okay, mom. That's it. I, I cannot explain the magnitude of, and I know, and I blame it on me. You know, I, I can't lose another child, you know, and I, and I'm, I'm just, if I text you, I need you to text me back. And he has stuck to that and, Thank God. And he understands. And he's been my rock through this. And, um, and you know, my stepson's too, but you know, when you, it's just, you know, when you raise a child, you know, it's a different thing. I mean, I love my stepsons. Um, but Chase is the one that has a little bit more responsibility on him from that standpoint. Like you gotta be just respond. Don't leave me hanging or I'm going to go climbing, you know, squirrel's going to go up the tree. And so he's been really, really good at, at supporting me with that. And then, like I said, just having my grandson, I mean, I will say being a grandmother is the only thing in life that has not been oversold to me. I mean, it is the best thing ever. It is just, it is, it's just the best yeah. thing. So yeah. I be super happy. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm blessed. I really am. But I do feel that Christopher sacrificed his life. Mm-hmm. I would not be doing what I'm doing if, if this hadn't happened to him. And, um, so I've got to go out and save lives. I, that's what I'm, that's what I'm about. And I don't, I don't want to, it's got to be big. It's got to be massive. I, I don't want to do this to save one life. It's got to be. And like I said, the number one thing I can get across every time I open my mouth is please do not touch a street drug. Do not fentanyl is out there in the massives. And I I've witnessed so much and I, I really am going to be working at a different level to on the political side as well. I've got to get involved. We've got to be talking to our people to shut, you know, put security around order and protect our children. You know, it's the number one killer from age 18 to 45. Those are our military kids. You know, I just, I feel like, wow, are people not understanding what's going on around us, you know? And so I don't want to be a fear monger, but at the same time, I just, I can't explain it. It's a fire in me. I eat, drink and sleep this every day. And that's what I want to do. Yes. Well, I, I, I love the way you said that Christopher sacrificed his life and I love the purpose that you found and the breath at which you do everything, because uh, I know what kind of energy that takes. And um, 
I'm just happy that you have a supportive husband, children, grandchildren, and so forth. Um, because it's a powerful calling. And I feel like, you know, um, you coming to that, that wonderful place of understanding that he did sacrifice his life for something that you could then take on, you know, and like you said earlier, not every mom, dad, sister, brother, stepsister, brother, you know, aunt, uh, uncle, so forth, has to do it in the way that you are doing, Cammie, in, in, across the, the nation. But even just to be able to speak and share how going through this is not comfortable and not, you know, I think the other thing is I realized when I was sharing the story about I wanted more, you know, I was judged. It was not nice. And then I, you know, zipped it, locked it and threw away the key and, you know, went on this journey for myself trying to figure out why was I judged? Why would people judge, especially someone who was a dear friend, knew me longer than my husband, etc. somebody who I was coming to for advice. But, you know, I think I finally got to a place and a space where I realized if somebody is going to judge me, they're probably not somebody who I want to really spend time or invest energy or friendship or any of any relation, you know, any level, whether it be a simple high and goodbye versus a really in-depth relationship. And I think that if we can get that point across today that, you know, the people who are meant to be in your life, they really do come through with shining colors and cheer you on. And I know you have that because you are glowing, Cami, and uh, the work you do. I'm glad you also give credit to the team that supports you as well. But I also believe in my heart, having worked uh, in corporate America, as well as having my own business, that it oftentimes comes from the top. And if if you weren't feeling the way you do with the freedom, the faith, the love that you have in your heart, um, that you wouldn't have the team and the support to be able to do the things that you're able to do nationwide. And so I really thank you for that, for stepping into that in a huge way. And in order... Um, to connect with Cami, all of her information is going to be below on the show notes. Um, can you, Cami, one more time share the name of your book for us, please? Absolutely. Yes, all proceeds go to the charity. I don't take any profit, even though there's not a whole lot of profit anyway, because Amazon and Barnes and Nobles is online at Amazon and Barnes and Noble. It's called The Flight, My Opioid Journey and Cami Wolf Rice. It's um I will say, what else did I was going to say? Oh, if you want information. Oh, let me tell one quick thing because I think this is pretty cool. So there's QR codes after every single chapter. So if you're not a reader, you can scan after each chapter and a little video pops up and I give extra content. And then in the back of the book is a resource library that I'll constantly be keeping updated. So it'll never go stagnant with different um, treatments. And I even have a music playlist there and, you know, just some things. Um, like I said, I really, it's interesting. Like I had a lady come up to me and she said, you know, I'm going to start a bakery after reading your book. And I was like, really? 
was like, okay, it had nothing to do with losing a child, nothing to do with addiction, nothing to do. And I'm like, I said, can you tell me a little bit more about that? And she's like, yeah, because I've always wanted to do something. And you, the book inspired me because it really makes you reflect on your own journey. So yes, please check out the flight. Um, I am getting ready to do some exciting book tours. I'm going to Hong Kong and Cambodia. I'm going to be doing, uh, you know, some book events and book club events across the country. I hope we can check in again so I can give you an update of what everything's happening and how it's moving and shaking. I would love to uh, come back because I love this. You make it so comfortable and you made me feel just so welcome and you're so loving and your emails. And I just felt the email love through, through, your, through your emails, you know, and it was just fantastic. So I really appreciate all the support because you need that, you know, you need to hear that, you know, and everybody does. Everybody needs to hear, Hey, you got this and you got, you can do this, you know? And so thank you for that. It made me feel really good. You are, you're making me tear up. I'm glad you feel the love through the emails. That's my intention, but I never know how how it comes across. So thank you. Thank you for seeing and feeling me, you know, um, one thing you just said, and uh, I, I'd like to give a voice to that too in another way, when you were speaking about the woman who was so inspired after reading your book to step into this bakery that she had always wanted, something that had been lying on her heart. I think that for me, I had to reflect, you know, okay, why or how the timing was like a little crazy for us, right? So we had just brought Sonia home from Guatemala. Our daughter was born in Guatemala. When we adopted her, she was six and a half months old. And um, a few months later, Mark was told he was going to need a kidney transplant. So it was like, wait, what? I'm sorry. Let's start again. Maybe the kids were making noise. I couldn't hear you, you know, so... It turned out I had a kindergartner and a two-year-old. And Sonia, in a little two-year-old squeaky little voice, could say, Daddy is on dialysis, which was, you know, like, and she would say it perfectly, which was kind of heartbreaking to hear in her little voice. But I always felt that there are blessings in those hardships. Mm-hmm. Of course, mine was a little <laughs> much lighter than yours. Mark is still here. Um, walking this earth and much healthier, thanks to somebody who gave up her life, a 40-year-old woman who uh, passed and was an organ donor and a, a great match for him. But I think that one thing I'd like to say today is that we have the choice, honestly, and it, it's not easy. <laughs> we both said it's not easy and it, it doesn't happen overnight. But I really think that Instagrammable life, you know, when you really get to know people or open up and be transparent as you have been, Cammy, we find that most of the time, what we thought was perfect, ideal, whatever is not. And so I think being able to know that it's okay to be feel safe and vulnerable and know that the right people will come out and support you And even if it takes a little time of a few people dwindling away, friendships, so forth, then the right people will show up and shine and support you in whatever that journey is. And I always feel like, you know, being able to inspire one person, which I know you've done (laughs) countless, I can't even guess, but like this woman to realize life is short. I always say, walk through the ICU. 
just walk down the aisle and peer into each of the open rooms and you'll realize that what you thought was important is so not important. I mean, it's just for me, I always say, for me, it's, it's, you, you, you spoke, you gave a voice to it too, connection with others. That is, it's my health, the health of my fam, immediately family, and then connections with people. And I do, I'm sure you have to do the same. Life gets busy, right? With everything that you're doing and your purpose. And then you have to make decisions as to who, who do you let in? Um, who's there to cheer you on versus knock you down, come behind you. I, I envision the per- the little kids who come behind you and push your knees in and then you, you know, you go down, you know. Um, so thank you for sharing about the bakery because that is a huge thing. I mean, if, even if you're not struggling with any of the, uh, the things that we're talking about today, you know, think about where you are in your life and really take a moment and think about what's really important to you. What is the purpose? Why are you here? Um, and so forth. And I'll share a little something I have for purpose in a little bit. But Cami, I'd love to pull a card from the opening to possibilities deck. And like you, these cards come with five hours of music. We're, we're kind of like-minded, in, <laughs> if you haven't noticed. Um, there's five hours of curated music that I pulled because uh, I always feel like it's nice to have a little vibration going. So I'm going to try, without knocking the cards down, to thumb through. And if you don't mind, just tell me when to stop, and then I'll pick the card for you. Okay, I'm going to start now. Stop. Stop. Well, I have two. <laughs> and you could, let's do this one. Empowered, because that's definitely you. Living empowered allows you to claim what's waiting for you. And I think this is so appropriate. So there are three questions you can answer, one or two or three. How do you empower yourself? What does empowerment feel like? What is waiting? What is waiting for you to claim? Oh wow! I didn't know there were questions with the card. How do I- <laughs> you don't have to answer them. I know I put you on the spot. <laughs> I want to make an impact. That's what empowers me. Mm-hmm. I, I make an impact. Um, and like I said, I I really want to save lives, and I'm I'm ringing an alarm. That's what empowers me. Is the more I can get on a microphone, the more audiences I can speak to, as many people as I can possibly speak to to educate and build awareness. That's what I'm about. That's what empowers me. And I love the fact that you do it to all ages, not just the adults and not just the the people in power. I'm going to answer a question uh, for you. What doesn't, well, it says, what does empower feel like? I think I said, look like when I read it. And for me, I'm going to say empowerment on you, Cami, looks like glowing and a huge smile filled with love. It is, it is, um, it is so, you know, um, give me a minute. Sorry. Okay. It's just so lovely to sit across from you today and see how you were able to take something so devastating. I can't even um, fathom and be empowered and really do it in 
in such a beautiful, elegant, um, I'm going to use the word loving again because it suits you, loving way that really is um, necessary, so timely, and it touches so many lives. I mean, so many lives. It 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 shouldn't. You know, I'm glad that you give a voice with with such a beautiful smile, because I think there are so many families struggling. I know there are so many families struggling with this, mm-hmm. who feel embarrassed, mm-hmm. um, who feel maybe ashamed. Uh, you know, the list goes on. I'm not going to guess what the other words are. And for you to be able to come today and say, you know, that's not where we need to be. We need to be at the other side where we can share and be transparent and then be able to support, like you were saying, bring a casserole, you know, write a note, uh, make a cup of, uh, I like hot tea. I'm not drinking my tea anymore. I was going to grab it, but I realized it's afternoon. And, you know, at this age, I can't drink caffeine after two o'clock. Otherwise I'll be up all night on my to-do list. But, you know, um, so I just want to say thank you for being who you are and being on this journey. And, and, and also thank you to your family because I know it's not been easy and I don't just mean your nuclear nuclear family, but I mean the grandparents, the aunts, the uncles, the cousins, and, and all those who uh, maybe have been born since Christopher's passing, because uh, you know, I'm sure he's still touching lives today and you're an amazing, amazing person. I am so delighted. I can't wait to say thank you to Lucy for introducing us. And um, and thank you again. You're just so very kind, gentle, and I appreciate your fire because uh, I feel the same way. Got a lot of fire. I just have to make sure I, I, I uh, put it in the right place and not burn anything down, you know? <laughs> well, I... Thank you. Thank you for this platform. Thank you for this time to share so many things. I could keep going talking to you for hours because you make it so easy and comfortable. And I just want to say one more thing to your listeners. If you know, as we all know one, right? We all know people that are suffering. And if you don't ever give up on your loved one, you can have boundaries, but don't ever give up on them. Keep the faith. There are a lot of new technologies coming out for substance misuse. There are a lot of mental health techniques coming out to help people. So just don't give up on your loved ones. Please reach out. Love, 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 love Christopher. (laughs) Absolutely. And I'd like to add to that one thing. So there's a meditation I have on my website. It's uh, under the for you tab and it's a meditation for you and one other person. It is powerful. You don't have to tell the other person you are doing anything towards them for them but it'll change the relationship. And I think that as you were saying, not to give up and to love them, love them. This is yet another level of loving them um, that comes from a different space. First you choose yourself and then you send that same wonderful energy to them. And uh, so I'll put that in the show notes as well. And uh, one last thing, because today we did po- uh, speak a lot about purpose. 
If this is something you are struggling with or need a little clarity on, I'd love to invite you to Purpose Possibilities and Prosecco, a two-hour transformation like no other. It is a private session with myself and Sabine Kaiser, uh, the expert face reader, and today, together we are able to help enlighten you and remove some blocks that might be getting in your way so that you can live purposefully like Cami is. Till next time. So thank you very much again, Cami, for being with me. Um, I, I'd love to have you back because there are so many things that we could go deeper and more that I have notes on that I've been writing down. Um, but I want to say till next time, be explicit. Be explicit.